In this episode, we throw it back to the number one most downloaded episode in this podcast history and one of the craziest days of my life with Jordan Belfort, The Real Wolf of Wall Street. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alemo. You can find more about Millennial Momentum on millennialmomentum.net. You can find me, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tommy Tahoe, very active. Hit me up. Um, This show is all about millennial personal development, right? We all want to get to the next level. We want more money. We want a better relationship. We want to be in better shape, whatever it is. I think you need three things. You need a really strong work ethic. You need a positive attitude. You need just a little bit of momentum, which is forward motion with energy. So I'm hoping that this show, the blog, everything I put out can be the spark for you, can be that spark for me. I'm on a journey. I don't have the answers. I don't have the secrets, but uh, I'm on that path to learn, and, and I'm grateful that you're here learning with me. I wanted to take this opportunity at the end of the year. It's a fun time. Everyone's getting their holiday shopping. They're in the spirit, drinking their eggnog and whatnot. Um, To take a break from the regular new interviews and throw it back to the number one most downloaded episode in this podcast history by far. And it was a crazy day. And I'll, I'll give a little background. So this is with Jordan Belfort, you know him, The Wolf of Wall Street, you've seen the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, and um, you know, when I first launched the show with Ryan uh, as TR Talk, we, you know, we were prospecting Belfort's assistant for weeks and months, I mean, sent a, several dozen emails to her, and we finally get a response for the first time on a Saturday morning, and he texts me, he said, you know, the eagle has landed, and you know, he's fired up. And he comes to my office, and we're we're stressed out. We're we're calling everyone we know. What do we say to Jordan? What are we going to ask him? You know, do we ask about the drugs and you know the the women and everything like that? You know, do we keep it clean? And you know, he he delivered uh, on all levels. You know, the first half, I got to you know say parental advisory. If you're under eighteen or twenty one or you know immature, you shouldn't listen to this uh, because the first half. He gets into really good tactical business and entrepreneurial advice you know, about mentorship and how to override fear of failure and how to overcome when you lose and um, when you fail. It's, it's really good how to develop a, a sales team. Uh, and then the last half or last third is you know just a lot of the craziness, the debauchery that went on in the movie and, and actually happened in real life. And he, he shares those stories. So um, it was a crazy day. I'll never forget that Saturday where we interviewed him from his house in Manhattan Beach and it is a great interview. So wanted to tee that up for you guys. I got nothing else to say. Thank you for a tremendous year. Episode 99 here. Episode 100 coming next week and a big year in 2019. So thanks everyone for listening. If you saw any value, please rate, subscribe, review. And without further ado, let me take you back to Stratton Oakmont headquarters, 1979 Marcus Avenue in Lake Success, New York. The one, the only, Jordan Belfort. Jordan, how we doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you guys? Doing great. Excited for the conversation today. 
Oh, listen, me too. I always, uh, I always love talking. So, like, you know, some people have a fear of like public speaking. I have a fear of not public speaking. So, <laughs> you know, this is my thing. So, shoot, ask me anything you want. Perfect. Well, I think just to get things started, right? Y- your life's been well documented. But one thing that's clear to Tom and I is you have an insane ability to manifest whatever you want just through self-belief and, and hard work, whether you're selling snow cones on the beach, you know, going door to door, selling lobsters or founding Stratton Oakmont. And so right. we'd love to go way back, back to your childhood to learn, you know, where does that ambition and drive for money come from? You know, I, I, for as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be rich. I just, I, I did, I can't, you know, I've obviously, this is a, something I've thought about long and hard, and, and in my books, I've always, you know, have a throwaway line, you know, I've wanted to be a millionaire for as far back as I can remember, basically, and also been sort of like a born entrepreneur since I emerged my mother's womb, but in truth, you know, there's really, there's no such thing as a born entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship has rules and strategies that you have to learn. I guess I was born with the, with the uh, sort of natural inclination to take risk. Um, and, um, also because I wanted nice things, um, some people, you know, there's two sides to this. You have like sort of a vision for your future, which is, you know, how do you see the world in five or 10 years from now better than it is today? Like what's, where are you going? Not, you know, goals. I'm talking bigger than that, a real vision for your future. Then you also have your standards, meaning what are the things in life that you will not settle for less than your, your musts, so to speak. So a lot of people have these shoulds, right? I should do this. I should make money. I should work hard. You know, your musts are the things that you end up accomplishing. So I guess for me, I had very high financial standards, you know, from A, growing up, not poor, but, you know, middle class, lower middle class, and yet close enough to wealth. So I saw it. I was able to see it, and I was highly educated, and I noticed that my parents were brilliant, incredibly smart, hardworking, Highly educated, both went to grad school and broke. They, you get it? So, and, I, and I realized very early in life that money or success, wealth, whatever you want to define it, is not directly related to your education, to your intellect, um, you know, and to the other things I mentioned. The point is that there's other things involved. What are those things? And, and I linked up very early in life that, number one, my parents were risk-averse. They never wanted to take any risk. And without risk, right, um, it's very difficult to get ahead. Everything is risk, especially starting a new venture. That's number one. Number two, they were sales averse. They thought that sales was evil. They hated salespeople. They hated to sell themselves. They really were. <laughs> it's how proud they are of me, right? So I mean, they just really were <laughs> against it, right? So I, I realized very early on that, Wow, okay, you can have all these great qualities, all these great skills, but if you're not willing to go out there and take a risk, and if you don't know how to close the deal, speak to people, very hard to make a lot of money. So that's, I think, what kind of goes into my, my beliefs about what, what goes into becoming successful. In terms of, you know, what were my core beliefs that sort of allow me to manifest things? You know, that, that's a good question, it really is. And my wife, it's funny, you know, Anne, um, she uses terms like manifest and energy. She says, I've never seen it. Because, you know, you guys bring up a good point. I do have this weird ability or just a track record of like sort of these out of control things that you wouldn't think are possible. And I make them happen by almost force of will. Now, I'm not the only one that can do that, right? Steve Jobs at even a bigger level, right? Like his, his um, you know, reality distortion field, so to speak, right? Where, you know, you, you, you believe in the impossible and you make the impossible possible, right? So there's, there's, there's many successful people. I think, in fact, most successful people 
have that ability. Some more pronounced than others. Now, I have it very pronounced. It's obvious. And also, it's documented because of, of the movie and stuff, right? So people got to watch me go from rags to riches, back to rags, and now back to riches again. So they say, wow. I mean, like, that's, that's just insane. But it's not just me. There's many, many people like that. And, you know, my wife will say it's the manipulation of energy, right? You know, you know how to manifest. And, and to me, it's a bit more pragmatic. There are certain skill sets I possess. There are certain beliefs that I have about taking risk, um, about taking action. Um, and also, to understand that everything I do, every venture I get into, will require specialized skills. And I'm willing to take the time to learn those skills. And I think that's one of the things that people forget is that when they go into something, there's going to be specialized skills, information you're going to learn. And if you're not willing to put the time in to actually learn the things that you need to learn, know the things you need to know, get with the people you need to be, to be with, right? I don't care how smart you are or how great your idea is, you're not going to be a one-person army. So you have to have others involved and have specialized knowledge involved. And then once you have that, with the core skills of entrepreneurship and the beliefs in taking risk and taking action, that's a recipe for success. Does that make sense? No, it does. And, and I think just to summarize, right, it's hard work. It's an insane belief in yourself. But it's also something I think you, you glossed over probably just because it's innate to you is you know, when you encounter an obstacle or you encounter a challenge such as you know, going bankrupt at the age of 25 or you know, L.F. Rothschild. 23, 23. 23, excuse me. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you just keep on going. So like, take us back to when you know, maybe Black Monday, you sure. get laid off from LF Rothschild, or even when you were 23, you went bankrupt. Yeah. How did yeah, you sure. not just stew in that, and you went on to bigger and better things? That's incredible. Well, so I think that here's, here's the – it's a very good point. So I think what really hurts many, many people is that when they fail, when they have a setback, and that setback could be for your own mistakes – like, for instance, in my first real business, which was the meat and seafood business, and I went bankrupt to 23, right? I went bankrupt because of mistakes I made in business. I was a great salesperson. I naturally knew how to sell and, more importantly, train others to sell. I had this gift of really just training people, and I used that gift to build a sales force of 26 people, thinking that, oh, my God, if I just could sell and get all these people to sell with me, I'll be rich. And the reason I believe that is because I'd seen it happen to myself on the beach when I sold ices when I was 16 or 17. Thing is, the fundamentals of that business was so strong. You know, that's buy something for seven cents, sell it for a dollar, right? Sell out every single day, no over. So all the things that I, it just seemed to be so easy to make money that I went into this business not understanding the rules of entrepreneurship and also the rules that go with something I call failing elegantly. Knowing how to take a risk, you know, take a stab at something and do it in a way that when you're wrong, which will be a lot, you minimize on the financial loss, on the time loss, but you maximize on the lessons that you learn. Because that's really what the lessons are in the failures. You learn so much more when you fail than when you succeed. So that that bankruptcy that I went through was my essentially business school. But I, I emerged from that Knowing business and understanding what not to do and also what to do. Now, getting back to what many people, the mistake they make is that when you're going through that and you're feeling the pain of bankruptcy and the embarrassment and, you know, just it sucks. It just, right? You have no money. It's pressure financially for your family. You have a tendency to apply the wrong meaning to the experience. 
That's what most people do. They, they make a mistake. They go bankrupt and they just take a setback and think, oh, maybe I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm just, you know, should work for someone else. Business is not for me. Or what was I thinking? You know, all these sort of, and be, the way you interpret the experience is the meaning you apply. That meaning is arbitrary. You can say whatever you want to yourself. You could say, wow, I failed because I didn't know the rules of entrepreneurship. Next time, I better learn those rules, right? Or you could say, oh, I failed because I'm just an idiot. You know, I'm, I don't know how to do business. I'm not, let me just work for someone else. I'm a great salesman, I'll be a salesman. So, so many people, when they fail, they apply the wrong meaning to the failure rather than saying, okay, this is a, a failure. What can I learn from this? How do I grow from this? There's nothing wrong with me. In fact, I'm stronger now from this failure because I know more. I know what not to do. And then you take action again in a new business. So many people give the wrong meaning. For me, I did actually apply the wrong meaning in the beginning. And I almost didn't go into the brokerage business. I was scared. I said, you know what? Maybe I'm just a great salesman. But I broke through that. And that's what most successful people do. They break through their limiting beliefs. Those that aren't successful, they don't. They get held back by their limiting beliefs. So the key is just to know that when you're going through the pain, don't apply the wrong meaning. Step outside yourself, be logical, and apply the empowering meaning to the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so when you talk about um, failure, right, and you, you, it's almost as if you're detaching yourself from the situation to examine it, audit it, why did I fail, where can I get better? Were you in the past or even now, you know, working with, you know, mentors or colleagues or other people that you trusted that would, would help guide you on that? Or is it more so instinctual that you could put yourself on the right path afterwards? Not, not really. I was never, listen, I'm a big believer in mentors, just so you know. I think they're great. I think you should always have a mentor. Unfortunately, I didn't, right? I was young and I, I didn't have that, that, um, that sort of knowledge yet, right, of, the, of how important a mentor would be. So I made so many mistakes that, you get it, I walked off a cliff thinking it all made sense. And here's the thing, when it comes to failing elegantly, most of the rules are counterintuitive. The things that you have to do, they don't make sense when you think it logically until you go thin, you say, oh, but it makes perfect sense. And also, this other mirror of that is succeeding wildly. What do you do when the business is right? How do you take a small business and blow it up, right? Those are very different courses of action as a business person. You got to know both, right? So, I mean, for me, back in the day, I wish I would have had mentors. I didn't. I was never a big believer in mentors, but now as an older business person, yes, I, it's, it's a must for people. You know, just kind of sticking on that, right? If, if you had to mentor some of our listeners now and tell them, you know, some advice, right? And most of our listeners are, you know, 20-somethings, hardworking, millennial working professionals, just on the grind, hustling. You know, what would you, what would you tell them from a mentorship perspective? Well, number one, okay, um, you know, my new book, and I don't care whether they buy my book or not. I, mean, I don't need the money, thank God. But, I, but one thing, I wrote this book, The Way of the Wolf, The Straight Line System, right? I wrote the book to serve as a guide to people, especially young people. I know my audience, right? I have this unbelievable amazingly loyal, great bunch of people that grew up with the movie, right? They watched it when they were probably 17 or 16 and 15, right? And the last event I did, I was like shocked at all the kids that had like, they were like 22, now they're in the workplace, right? In the workforce, and they're successful, they're trying to become successful. These kids were 15 when the movie came out, 16, right? So, you know, that's a responsibility I have. It's an awesome one to make sure, A, that I give them good information, and B, that it's ethical and honest. They don't mis make the mistakes I made. I wrote the book, to really serve as a, a, essentially a Bible for how you become a master influencer, a salesperson. And that's the first thing, you, if you do not know how to close the deal, if you don't know how to influence, persuade, to whether it's to be a salesperson or just to raise money, 
to hire the right people. Those, when you're in business, everything is about selling yourself, selling your vision for the future. You know, to get the right people to work for you, that's the most crucial thing in a startup, right? Getting great people. A business is about the people. The idea is the idea. There's good ideas, there's great ideas, right? And there's, okay, ideas. Well, here's what I'll tell you for sure. A great bunch of people will take a bad idea and figure out how to make them pivot and make it good. A bunch of morons will take the best idea and fuck it up. <laughs> Bottom line, right? Yep. So it's about the people. So how do you get great people? Well, it's about them believing in you, your ability to sell your idea to them. Sell the concept, sell your vision for the future. Most people lack a vision for the future. They don't have a vision. They're all thirsty for one. Every human being is thirsty for a vision. So what do they do? They buy into someone else's vision. If you, you, have, if you want to be a world-class entrepreneur, you have to be able to sell your vision to other people in a way that moves them to take action, whether it's to give you money in, in, a, in a capital raise, to come work for you as an employee, to give you great terms as a, a supplier because they believe in you. It's the, it's the most linchpin skill that an entrepreneur can have. And I wrote this book to essentially serve it to people on a, on a silver platter. Now, that being said, it's certainly not the only skill you need, right? That, I, mean, I made that mistake in my meat business. I was a great salesperson, great trainer, but I lacked the other skills too. But I will tell you this. I don't care what you do, what line of work you're in, business, personal, whether you're trying to you know, sell yourself to a, a woman or a man like there's a partner for life, right? In a relationship, whether it's you know, anything. It doesn't matter. Getting your kids to make their bed, do their homework, the value of education. I mean, it just cuts to life. And if you don't have this skill, let me just tell you something. You're screwed. Everybody who listens to this, Google Warren Buffett persuasion. There's a, the video where him and Bill Gates did um, a symposium for like 5,000 college students. It was about maybe 10 years ago. And he was asked a question by uh, an Asian woman, maybe 25, 26. And she said, what can I do? What can we do here? All those you know, people, young adults. What can we do to make ourselves more successful, to really help us you know, you know, tip the, the, the balance in our favor? And what Warren Buffett said, you would think he'd say, well, learn how to trade stocks, learn how to buy companies, learn how to recognize value. No. What he said was the best way you can increase your own value. Let's say you're a, a million, you're an asset, right? You're a million-dollar asset, right? So right now is what Warren Buffett said. I'll pay you 10% of, I'll pay you 10% for all your future earnings. So I'll give you 100 grand now for 10% of your future earnings. That's what you're worth. You're worth a million bucks, Right. And everyone starts to laugh. And he goes, if you want to increase your value, go and take a course in sales and persuasion and communication. Learn how to influence people. And you know what? You'll increase your value by 500 grand. Come to the back. I'll give you $150,000. You get it? Yeah. yeah. So, so Warren Buffett said of everything. And he goes, this is what he did. When he got out of school, the first, he was a terrible communicator. And he's a, by the way, he's, he's a great salesman, Mark. He's unbelievable, the guy, right? Every, you can hang on his every word. Now, he's not selling you, so to speak, but he's selling you on his vision for the future. You get it? On the belief in him. Right. So this guy's world class. He took a course. In, back then, it was Dale Carnegie. He was the gold standard in the 50s, right? And it, he said it changed his life because you know, it taught him how to go out there and speak to people and communicate and close. Without that, you know what Warren Buffett would be today? the most successful money manager in Omaha, Nebraska, that no one ever heard of. <laughs> True. He'd still be successful. He'd be successful, right? He had other skills, but he would have never been able to do what he did because no one would listen to him. Your, your idea, the idea you have, any, if you're listening to this, the, whatever idea you have, whatever your goal is, your vision, right? That idea, let's say it's worth X. When you go to someone else and you explain the idea, 
Based on how you do that, it can be worth 10x in their mind or one-tenth of x. Your ability to explain the idea, to translate, to transmit the value to someone else, it either multiplies the value of the idea or detracts from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah. perception is reality. Well, yeah. exactly. Well, and, and if you can't explain it, it's you know, what's it worth, right? So right. look at I mean, even people that you don't think are salesmen, like Zuckerberg is a brilliant salesperson. The guy, look, look what he did. I mean. And he wasn't in life a salesperson, but as, as a visionary and his ability to communicate with, with people, right? In business, he had that gift. You have to have it. So I would say that, you know, every person you should buy the book, it's cost you nothing, a few bucks, right? I mean, it's the bit, you know, people, it's amazing. People will spend more money on their fucking dogs and cats than they'll spend on themselves. You know, invest in yourself. And I, I'm a big believer in specialized knowledge. Knowledge is the real estate of the 21st century. You gotta know shit, right? And without it, you just, you're screwed, you're flying blind. So that's step one, okay? And step two, find a mentor in the field that you're going into. Whatever field you're going into, whatever your, 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 your idea, find someone that is very close to what you've done that's already done it and been successful in that field and has the ability that will spend the time to communicate with you and support you. You know, you might have a great guy, but he won't give you the time. That's worth nothing, right? Find the mentor and also find the model. Start off and model someone else's business idea. There's models out there for everything. Nowadays, everything's on the internet. You can always sort of reverse engineer what someone else did. It's not that difficult. So whatever business I go into now, I always start with a model that I look for other places to find it. If not, I'll invent it, but I choose to find it somewhere else to start and then tweak it as I go along. That's awesome. That, that, that's great knowledge and, and great insight for the audience. So I want to actually put a pin on something that you were talking about a few minutes ago when you were talking about folks having the thirst for knowledge and a, and a thirst for vision. So you know, kind of going back to the days when you were hiring, at least from the depiction of the movie, it seemed like when you were hiring at Stratton Oakmont, it was kind of a ragtag group of, of individuals that you helped to motivate and train um, as, you know, great salespeople. Um, so I'm curious, like, either back then or now today, what you look for uh, when you're hiring, uh, if there's any traits or anything like that. Well, it obviously depends on what I'm hiring for. You know what I'm saying? If I'm looking to hire a salesperson, I mean, it depends on the industry. You know, I, I, I prefer salesmen who have never been salesmen before. I like to train them myself. That's me, right? Mm-hmm. That's a skill set. That's my core skill set is training salespeople. So I don't mind. You know, you know I, I'll take someone who's young and hungry. However, that being said, you know, there are many situations out there that, you know, someone that has connections within an industry and or sold in the industry. That, that could be a huge thing. I'll give you an example. I was in consulting for some company that was in the real estate business, right? Um, and, you know, we were looking to hire salespeople and one came along who was the number one mortgage broker in the country. And, you know, whether a good salesman, whatever, it was an okay salesperson. But the point was he had a book of people that were directly in this sweet spot, customers we wanted, he already had in a different industry. You get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and it was related enough so it was congruent for him to call them so it could have built on what he was doing. So that person, you know, of course I'm going to go after that person in a situation where I can get a springboard effect, right? But all in all, I, I don't look at someone having sales experience in terms of that, the skills they possess. A lot of times they have bad habits. I'd rather train them from scratch and stratton Back in the day, I wouldn't take people that were brokers at other places because I wanted to home grow them to build the loyalty. It was key to shape them. You know, I wanted young kids. 
um, who didn't have any, you know, training before, any bad. And Wall Street's a fucked up place. I mean, like, you know, there's so much shit people steal each other's brokers. So for me, it was about this sort of cult-like um, atmosphere that we developed. And, and, you know, there was things I did to, to motivate them on a daily basis. And I'm, a, you know, listen, the, the key to motivation um, you know, you don't do it every once in a while. It's got to be every day. You know, I did it twice a day. And, and by doing that, you know, and, and here's the thing with those kids. They started off, and this is an important point. They started off as ragtag kids. They did. And they really were. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, very often, here's the irony, is that sometimes when people, mo- mo- have it most of the time, it's pretty scary, people that are not taking action or they have limiting beliefs, like they don't, they're scared to take action and go into business. You know what? A lot of times it's true. Like they, they shouldn't go and they give their fucking morons. They, they don't have, they, no, it's true. They don't have the skills. They're not that smart. Really, there's a lot of people who are not that smart, okay? They have no edge. They have no connections, you know? And so their brain, as a self-protective mechanism, they say, you know, here's what happens. When they have an, an idea or they see an opportunity the way the brain works and makes decisions, it future paces. It runs two parallel movies. It says, wow, if I go out and do that, you know, and I'm wrong, how bad is my life going to be? What's it going to cost me? How much, what's the impact on my family, myself, business, personal, life, everything, right? And then at the same time, runs another movie saying, what if I'm right? What if I imagine if this thing works, how great would my life be? But the problem is, is the brain is smart and when you're running that movie, if you can't really see yourself, if you don't believe that you have what it takes, and, and you don't, by the way, and you don't have what it takes, and so you're actually lacking skills, right? You will not take, you'll, you'll say, no, you'll, you won't say it. You will never see the brain is protective of your own ego. So you never say, I'm not doing it because I suck, I'm an idiot. You'll say, oh, I'm too busy. I don't, you'll, you get it? You'll, you'll dissemble it. So you'll never get to the truth. That's what people do. They just, they come up with reasons why they can't take action. I'm too old, I'm too young, it's the wrong time of year. The government, this, fucking that, blah, blah, blah. It's Groundhog's Day, the fucking tooth, tooth fairy sample, whatever the, the reason they come <laughs> up with, right? And I've heard them all, why they can't go out and get the life they want. And at the end of the day, that, that story, it's a story that you tell yourself. It's a narrative you create to protect yourself from the truth, which is, I am a moron. Seriously. Or I am not, I am not capable to sell, of selling. I, am, I have no specialized knowledge. I did terrible in school. I'm lazy. This, all, this is true. Now, I'm not saying probably most of the people on this podcast are not like that. Well, I, you, you get it by, by de- definition. They're on the podcast looking to learn different class of people. You follow me? They're thirsty for knowledge. They're not that group. But there are many people. Don't kid yourself. The world is not full of people who are motivated. Most people are not, right? So, but here's the point. For the people on this podcast, many of you might be really smart. You did great in school. You have great ideas, great ideas, right? You have a vision for the future that makes sense. It's burning desire. You have, and you want to do the work, work hard. And you wonder why you can't get off the mark. Like, what is it that, that's sort of holding you back from, you say, like, you know, Jordan, you've been able to always go out there and succeed. And, well, here's the thing. You know, when I run those parallel movies, everyone, you, always, everyone does it. You, you, if I'm right, what happens if I'm wrong, right? Risk, risk, reward. What's going to happen? And the brain is so smart, it projects it out. When I run those movies, I never say to myself, you know what? I don't see myself succeeding because of me. If, if I don't succeed, it's because the business sucked or something happened. It wasn't because I lacked a skill. I never thought that. I, I could see myself being, the, if someone's going to do it, it'll be me because I, I have specialized skills. Meaning, A, and the number one is sales, the ability to persuade. And that's so important. It gives me an edge on everyone, right? And also now, of course, all the business skills I learned along the way, connections. Now, let's go back to, to um, a young person, 22, right, who's 
done well in school, smart, is industrious, has a good idea, but they're not a salesperson. They're not the sort of person that really can motivate and lead and, and take charge, right? Well, when they run that movie, they, they don't have the self-belief. And that voice in the back of the head stops them from running that movie or they'll still blunt the movie. They'll take away the color, the passion of it, and the negative movie overtakes it. So they don't take action. They tell themselves a story and they never go for it. And they live a smaller and smaller life. And they'll start feeding on each other with self, you know, these limiting beliefs start to feed on each other. You have smaller and smaller, right? So here's the thing. What happened at Stratton, the reason all these kids were able to succeed is because I changed them. Not by motivation. The motivation was there every day. But here's the thing. By teaching them the straight line system, mm-hmm. I changed who they were. I really did change them. I made them into weapons. Now, fa- unfortunately, it was weapons for bad back then, right? Now, I, I only focus on doing things for, you know, for good, you know, and ethical, and so on and so forth, right? But the point was, I turned these kids who were not salespeople, who had never thought that they were capable of greatness, any greatness they... Listen, pa- most people, their parents never told them they were capable of greatness. And any greatness they had in them naturally had been essentially beaten out of them since they, they were born. First by their parents, then by their friends, their school teachers, the media, the world, right? So by the time they're 22, 23, they have all these limiting beliefs. And they say to themselves, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't see myself going out there and being a leader and so forth, right? Now, I'm sure you guys don't have that because you're already... Being on, you already started your own business. You did, you took action. You did something, right? When, the reason you did is you ran the movie. Said, you know what? I can do this. I, I'm gonna. We have the skills. We're gonna make a success. People that don't know how to go out there and talk to people and persuade, they will not take action because they shouldn't take action. Because without the skill, you can't succeed. It's the all way, about self belief, isn't it? Well, <laughs> no. It's also about reality. In other words, it can't. You can't have self belief if it's not true. This is the point. This is a very important point that most, some people, they lack self-belief and they possess the skills. That's rare. That's a rare thing. That people that have it usually will overcome it. Most people, they actually don't have the skills. They are naturally not good at selling. A lot of the times it's because of communication. They have a flawed internal communication platform that makes it so they really can't express their ideas and they don't see themselves as a, that person. This is, how much of, of a CEO and a leader is about get, put yourself out there and be able to talk and move and groove, right? And these people, there's so many of them out there, they have, they're brilliant, they're hardworking, they're smart, but they're blocked. They're blocked from believing in themselves so they don't know how to communicate, they don't know how to sell, close the deal. And in all its forms, not as a salesperson, but to raise money, you get it just to be a, a business person, an entrepreneur, you need to have the skill. So when I gave these kids this intense training of the straight line system and I turned them into world-class salesmen, guess what? Not only did they become Richard Stratton, but they all went on, even after Stratton closed, to become successes in many other, you get it? They ch- it changed who they were as people. You must do the work. It's not just about self-belief. You got to do the work too. So, you know, one thing that um, I sourced from the audience that they were curious about just from what was depicted in the movie was, you know, clearly you were operating, um, obviously there was, you know, a lot of drugs and alcohol, but also just a lot of pressure and stress. And I personally feel like in today's age, people get stressed out way too easily. They get anxious over small things. And it seemed like, um, you know, you were able to build up a really successful firm Un, despite all of that. So just any, any tips for how to handle stress or not get stressed out as easily? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, four quaaludes and a bag of blow, right? I mean, that's what, <laughs> we, all, 
<laughs> but the truth was that came later. You know, I mean, like I was the beginning. Um, I was able to um, handle an incredible amount of information and stress and and um, you know, listen again. I'm I'm a believer in specialized skill. I have an innate ability, right, to uh, juggle a lot of balls in my head at once with information, numbers, trading. So that sort of stuff made made it relatively easy for me because intellectually, I really was very advanced. At it. You know, I always was advanced intellectually, right? A very high IQ. So that gave me a bit of an edge. Um, but let's just say you're average, right? You know, you're not that good at this. Well, here's the, the, the key. Here's what I, I believe. I, I think the key to not becoming overwhelmed, that's the key, right? Because overwhelm is the killer. It's when you, you know, there's so much going on. What do I do first? What do I do second? You know, when people are overwhelmed, you know what they do? They do nothing. They shut down. And overwhelm is when I always say, you know, one of the, the three things that hold people back from success, the first one's overwhelm. People, they go into business, they become overwhelmed. And, or they try to start a business and they become overwhelmed. They don't, and they don't take action when you're overwhelmed. So I think one of the keys that for people is that, number one, you need to learn to surround yourself, to commit to surround yourself with people who possess the skills that you lack. And again, this does not work without the ability to influence and persuade, to get great people to work for you. The reason I was able to handle so much was because I had great partners and great employees and great, I had my father who's a brilliant accountant handling the money. I never had to even look at it. I knew it was always gonna be right. I could trust them. I had the best back office operations person managing all the Wall Street side, the trades, right? That was great. I was the trader and motivator for the salesperson. I also trade. I knew how to trade stocks. It was it just came easy to me. But I had a great trader as well that did the actual grunt work every day, right? Doing the physical trading. I had Danny, my junior partner, was an animal. He was a fucking brilliant guy. And here's and by a maniac, a fucking the best thing about the love Danny to this day, great guy. The best thing about Danny was he was so crazy that you know, no matter how bad I was, I'd say he was the sort of guy you always loved his friend. Say, when I get as bad as him, I know I'm fucking <laughs> trouble. <laughs> He's worse than. Me, right, but though Dan- Danny was an amazing guy, and so, in some ways, um, you know, uh, an unsung hero as well, as there were others in Stratton too. I had great, I had great people, and then yeah. what? And a telling thing that Danny said to me once: Danny was uh, probably the uh, uh, such a, a cunning guy he was cunning and, and and very not sneaky, but not the sort of guy that's going to be loyal to anybody. He said to me, you know. In my entire life, and he was older than me, he'd been in business for two years, I was never loyal to anybody. You're the first person that I'm loyal to. I'll never fuck you. And he never did because he believed in me. He found someone that he, because my ability, you get it? In other words, if your people believe in you and your vision and they trust, you get great people. Otherwise, they'll backstab you. They'll forget about it. So, so you know, uh, a you know, friend of mine, and now I won't tell his name, but he's got a great company right now that's going to go public in another year. He's going to be one of the richest people in the world. Um, you know, he's, a, he's this charismatic leader. And, and, it's, and it's because of that, he's gotten Bill Gates to invest in his company and, you know, the, the top other investors in the world. He's gotten people like me just helping you for free sometimes. Like, you know, you, when you believe in stuff and you believe in the person, you can move mountains for them. So, so this is a skill you have to possess if you want to be really successful. You know, if not, you, well, guess what? Then sur- find someone. Like, let's say you're a Wozniak, right? Well, guess what? What was Wozniak without jobs? Nothing. Yeah. But brilliant. That doesn't take away from his brilliance. Fucking brilliant, uber brilliant guy, right? A, a, a leader in, in, in technology. The world will be far uh, less what it is today without Wozniak. However, that being said, 
without jobs, worthless, nothing. Couldn't make a dollar. They got to be giving away things for a dollar a piece and fucking living with his mother, right? <laughs> because you need that. There's got to be that guy. It's true. There's got to be that person. Now, so if that's not you, you got to find someone that's like that, and you better be a what? You better have some other specialized skill, or else that person will just squeeze you out. Right. Okay, they eventually squeeze the Wasnack out in the end too, right? Because after a while, that that person doesn't, you know, doesn't have value, but they of course paid him a lot of money. So that's the story. So um, you know, I think that kind of really answers that question in detail. Yeah. No, that's great. Rapid fire number two from the audience, um, and this is actually from my brother, but. You know, what was a day in the life like back for you in like 93, 94? You know, can you take us through, you know, you wake up, then you get like, what is a day in the life like back in the, uh, back in the heyday? Insanity. That was like my years. That was like literally the heyday of insanity is right before I sold the firm. See, in the, in the movie, it's not accurate. They, they say, you know, when I gave that speech and said, I'm, uh, I'm got to go, I'm, you know, it's my time, Stratton will live on. And I say, you know what? Right. Fuck it. I'm staying. Right. That didn't happen. I left. I owned Steve Madden shoes as well. I went into Steve Madden and I, we built the company together. Steve and I, I went to the, I was in the office. That was what I was doing every day for 95, 96. And then I, I imploded because of drugs in 97. I went to rehab, right? But the point is, is after I left Stratton, I went to Steve Madden. We built that company and became a huge billion dollar company, right? So, but if you want to say a typical day, 93, 94, dude, I wake up. Here's how crazy it was. I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and take four lewds so I can go up and down before my wife woke up. You get it? I take my first hit, my first high, my fucking great morning high before anyone woke up. Then I t- and after I was, you know, so that lasts like two hours till seven. Then I take coke to wake up from the lewds and get out, get out of that high, right? Then I come relax, take a shower and stuff, go to the office. But the thing with lewds is not like alcohol. There's no hangover. So I'm like sober. You would never know it. You saw me at nine. I'm fucking straight sober as a judge. I could take an SAT, right? So, you know, so... um. Um, that was my first thing. Then I go to the office. I had stacked meetings for doing corporate finance deals. I was trading stocks, dealing with regulatory problems. You know, you know, giving the morning meeting. You know, managing a thousand. Diff- I had three firms running at the time. I had two others that I secretly owned. So I was running three trading accounts simultaneously. Right, and that you know, hundreds of stocks trading. My positions everywhere. Right, so it was an insane morning. Then Danny and I would split for lunch at about twelve. We'd go to a place called usually called Tengen, where we each take. Four or five loots, we'd have a contest, see who could take the most loots and then fall down. Okay, we get high, and everybody at Stratton went to Tension, right? Everyone was like, the place got like taken over by like 100 Strattonites during lunch, and it was the craziest fucking scene. Like, every once in a while, a poor civilian would come in not knowing what he was getting into. They would sit down, and like, it just was like a fucking freak show, <laughs> right? I mean, it was a freak show, right? So then, like, you know, by, by 12.45, the guy, everyone had to leave, right, to go back, but Danny and I would stay. And we just sit there and we were best friends and we just fucking do drugs and go watch. Just sit there for like till two, okay? And, and the firm was so well built. It was a well built, well run company. It would run itself, you know what I mean? I had to fucking be there, you know? So, so, um, so, so then we'd go back at two and I'd sit there and, you know, do my thing. By two, I was sober again, right? <laughs> pretty much, well, you know, pretty much sober, right? Then I'd go out there at 4.30 after the mall closed and I'd give the afternoon meeting and at 4. I usually get a meeting at 4.30. Then let's say the meeting was be 30 minutes. So at the 15-minute mark, I would take four more lewds, knowing they'd kick in right when the meeting was ending. All right? I'd take four more lewds. All right? Get fucking... So it was just it was ending. I'd be high as a fucking kite. Then Danny and I would go wildly go back to my house again. Then my wife was cool. She was, and we just went partying at my house. And my, it was just fucking madness, you know? Jesus. It was just pure madness. And then I was making so much money. It was, just, it was just crazy, you know? It was just... You never seen anything like it, you know? 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to say. And then at night, like four nights, we go into the city a few nights a week and just get hookers. And we used to do these things called, we'd have a, you know, these fucking slug fest, we called them. It'd be like 50 brokers and 50 hookers. And, you know, and Danny goes, I want to get scrummed. That was the deal. He, he wanted to get scrummed like rugby. He wanted to be happy, surrounded by hookers and scrum them. That was his big thing. I want to get scrummed, you know? <laughs> such a great, I love this. He's such a great guy. He always, it, was, it was, listen, you know, I, I'm in, with a woman now, I'm in yeah. love with her for many years, and, and I'm far happier now. But you know, I always say the things that make sense. You're 25, don't make a lot of sense. You're 55. But you know, I, I think there's. Listen, obviously, this is not a model that I would have anybody follow. Right, okay, right, right. pure fucking insanity. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I made decisions. Let's get real. I made decisions that ended up costing me my liberty, my money. Mm. I, I made stupid decisions because I was high. I, I was, and I, you know, I lost, eventually, it didn't start off like that, you know, the first few years, said, what was it like in, nine, in 1990, oh, well, you know, I'd be sober all week long, I'd be sober all week long, and then on Friday night, I go to the Hamptons, and I take my, you get it, I yep. do yep. drugs Friday night, and Saturday, and stop for Sunday, so I could be sober, well, it's not just Friday, so I could get two days to recover, and then it was Friday, Saturday, and then it says Friday, say, well, maybe I'll take off Friday and start Thursday, it, it crept over years, and that's what the movie didn't show, like, the movie made it seem like I'm, a, a, a babe in the woods day one, and the next scene I'm sorting coke at a strip club. It was not like that in any way whatsoever. I was a good kid. I ne- yeah, never broke the laws, never in trouble. I, I, I was loved my first wife to death. I didn't cheat on her right away. And it was this slow, very slow, step-by-step de-evolution of the human spirit and soul, basically, that happened over time. So it was a very slow burn. But that, by 94, it was fucking pure chaos. Chaos. Well, I know we're... Laughing about it now, but I think it's it's always good to know how uh, how those things can happen and spiral out of control. So cautionary. Um, that's a cautionary. Listen, it's a cautionary tale because you know you know how much I'd be worth now if if I had not made the mistake. You know, listen, what I was doing was all, everything was legal. It was all legal. I had a firm. It was red. It was only making doing one thing that was illegal was flipping these units. Ninety nine percent of the firm was legal. Really, I would have made a hundred times more if I would done it right. I, if I was just you know if I would have had the the Let's just say the patience, because it really was a desire for instant gratification that fueled a lot of things. But the patience to make a little bit less upfront, I would have hit the internet boom, and that would have been that. I would have gotten a few of the internet companies and would have been worth $5, 10000000000 billion. So, you know, whatever. You, you live and learn. I'm having fun right now rebuilding my fortune, um, and um, I have a great life now. I'm sober. Right. And um, and I love that I can speak to kids like you that and I say kids in the 20s. Right. And I can tell you flat out, I'm not, I'm not like no drugs. You do you, you can listen. You know, I don't I'm not saying you should do drugs, but I understand that people party. They have fun. But be, you got to be fucking careful. Yeah. They creep on you. All right. It's you don't realize it. And it's not about being strong. I'm about as strong will as you can get. It's not about that. It's just some people are more susceptible to, to, to addiction, and, um, and, and you got to be really careful. And also, the same thing goes with ethics and integrity. You know, you can't be half pregnant when it comes to ethics and integrity. You just can't. Right? I have not done, there's not one single thing I've done since the day I got out of jail that I wouldn't want published in the New York Times. I've never broken one law. I've never mm. had a conversation in business that's not, I mean, maybe women, but, I mean, you know, before I met my wife, I was a little bit of a dog, but not that once I met my wife in the last 10 years. But the point is in business, and I've never, everything I've done, I've, I've been irrationally ethical to the point where I've gotten taken advantage of, and I was okay with that. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm powerful enough in business, and I'm, I'm, I'm savvy enough that it's okay. I can let some people take advantage of me, and I'll always end up on top anyway. I've been so careful because my ethics are so important to me now because I've learned 
and witnessed firsthand how disastrous it can be when you lose your ethics. And also, not many people have the experience that I've had where you, you, where you come back like that. Right? Most people don't come back after that sort of fall. Some do, most don't. It's a, a life killer for many people. I'm one of the rare few, so my path is not the path you want to take. You want to model the things I did right. See, I did all these, you see, and I think why, why kids are smart. Most of you guys are smart, right? You can see, you get that, that you say, okay, I get he did some things wrong. We don't want to do that. But boy, did some things he did were amazing. And that's the point. You need to not model the whole organism. Take the stuff that I did that was great. The passion, the sales training, the, you know, the, the fearlessness, the self-belief, all this, the, the entrepreneurial skills, right? That's what you want to model, but not the fucking drugs and the, and the, the criminal behavior that I did for that, those years. You get it? That's fucked up. That's, a, that's toxic. You don't want yeah. that stuff in your life. There's no, it's funny to look at because it's not your life, but I promise you it's not funny when you're going through it, all right? And, you know, shame on anyone who's listening to this podcast. If you can't see that, that you can model my life, the good stuff, right? And, and, and excise out the bad stuff and just have a wonderful life. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's an important point to make, too, especially when you someone might see it on a movie and they interpret it as reality when it's obviously, you know, it seems like the, there are pieces that are realistic, but it's not all a direct. Listen, it's certainly not a direct one to one correlation well, for what your life was. So here's the bottom line. Right. I won't deny it was fucking fun. <laughs> it was sexy. It was great parts of it. You understand? It, yeah. was ama- it was amazing, all the money, the lighting, taking $100 bills, taking them to bottle rockets and launching them into the ocean. That we would laugh to start. Oh, look, we're la- la- launching money into the All the shit we did, hookers all the time. I mean, it was great fun. Getting high as a fucking kite and having wild sex and all this shit. It was great. I, you know, for a kid, I was really, And here's even worse than that. It's, it, it's, it's sexy. In other words, it looks sexy on the screen because it is sexy. That doesn't mean you want to do it. <laughs> You understand? See, this is this distinction is that you can look at something and you can get a laugh out of it, you can get a thrill out of it, live vicariously through it, but you have to have the the the, the wherewithal to say, okay, I, you know, that's I, I want like some of that stuff, right? A little bit of fun, right? And I want those business skills and the sales skills, but I, I don't want that shit. You know, and I think 99% of people get that, but let's just make no mistake about that. You know, um, you know, it, it it looks good because it is fun. Like, it's fun. It is when you're doing it. It's destructive, but a lot of destructive things are fun. You, you know what we call those? We call those unsustainable ways to fill your needs, meaning you're filling your needs for excitement and change and, and all connection, right? Unsustainable, though. You fill your needs while you're doing it. It feels good, but it can't last. Versus sustainable ways to fill your needs. Being in love, making money honestly, having great friends. Those are sustainable, building a legitimate business. That's sustainable ways to have fun. You get it? One way is not sustainable and leads to a crash. You need to have sustainable ways to fill your needs. Absolutely. And I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Uh, you know, you've touched on a lot and really driven home some of the key takeaways there at the end, which, which I know folks are going to love. So, Jordan... Thank you so much. Uh, Listen, I did this obviously because I have a new book that just came out. Yeah, that's what really should go on. This this book is amazing. All right, trust me. um, It's it it will change your life if you take action. You got to be willing to take action. But it's a it's a it's literally a game changer for people because it'll really it'll help you go out there and achieve whatever it is you want, whether you're in sales or not. You need to read the book. um, Invest in yourself. You create. Unless you don't want to read my book, then go buy someone's book on sales. Not mine. You got to do it. So 
So jordanbelfort.com. Then where else can they find it, Jordan? What's your social handles, and where can they find uh, the book? Most, you know, my website is jordanbelfort.com. Just listen. Just Google me. It'll pop up all over. It's on Amazon. You can get the book everywhere. Um, you know, there's a zillion things on. Just it's Way of the Wolf, straight line selling. And you know, go and read the like. I think if you go to Amazon, you'll read. Just read the first page or two. You'll be hooked. Trust me. You see, I wrote it myself. I never ghostwriter, so I wrote it in a funny, you know, in a page turning voice. So um, I think people really like the book. So you'll blow through this book, and it's going to be a textbook for you for succeeding in business. It really is. So I would, I would take time read the first couple of pages online. You'll, you'll get, you'll get the picture. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Remember, you can find me, Tommy Tahoe, on Instagram, on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook, YouTube, uh, millennialmomentum.net for all of the info from this episode and every other episode that we put out. And please, please, if you find any value here, leave a review, subscribe, share it out on social media, tag me, I respond to everything. Uh, Thank you so much for the support, for the love, for the listens. Uh, Let's have a great December. Let's close the year strong. Out.